Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. There is one animal that over the years of homesteading has proven to us here on our homestead to be the most important, the biggest producer, the best sustainability, most holistic animal that a family could have, at least in our opinion after a decade of homesteading. What do you think it is? I'll give you a clue. It's standing right behind me. <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast, sorry, that's not a very good clue. The family cow. Our mini jerseys, we have Miss Luna, Grasshopper behind her, and way in the back, Honeybee, have become such a pivotal part of our homestead. They play such an important role. They produce so much off of mostly just grass. It's incredible what they can produce off of grass. Meat, milk products, calves every year. There's an incredible value to them. So much production. And of course, the pure majesty of the family cow. Should you get one? Have you been thinking about getting a family milk cow? Have you been watching our channel and watching Luna and Grasshopper and Honeybee and thinking to yourself, boy, I would like to have that experience on my own homestead? Well, today we're going to try to help you make that decision. See if keeping a family cow is right for you. And this is actually going to be a two-parter because there's so much to talk about when it comes to the family cow. We just can't fit it into one episode. So today we're going to be talking about whether or not you should get a family cow, the pros, the cons, what you need, and if you decide to make the leap, what you're going to want to have ready as soon as they arrive. I know it's going to be a great show. While you're waiting for the show to start, if you could do a couple things for me. First off, that thumbs up button, it's just begging for you to just boop, put a cow hoof on that thing and fire up that thumbs up. That helps our show grow. We'd really appreciate if you hit the thumbs up. Speaking of our show growing, there's a little arrow down below, which you could click on on YouTube or on your podcast player, share, and then just share that link on any of your social media accounts. It really means a lot. So much that after the show, I go and I look on Facebook and on Instagram to see if I can find anybody who shared it. So if you share it, go ahead and tag me and I'd be happy to, uh, uh, what's that thing where you share somebody else's post, you know, all that stuff, social media. Yeah, you know social media, how it works. So if you could share it. And then finally, in the comments section, let us know, are you thinking about getting a family cow? Because we would love to know 
especially those of you who are live, who are we talking to? Who's thinking about making the leap who hasn't yet? And if you're thinking about it, fire off some questions. Tag us at Homesteady. Let us know what you want to know, what's holding you back, and maybe we'll be able to answer some of your questions today. You're really going to enjoy today's episode. Let's dive into this topic, one of our favorite ones, keeping a family milk cow. Should we dive into talking about cows on one of our favorite topics? We were going through our outline, putting this together, what we wanted to cover, and it's like a novel because there's so much, so much. to talk about. So today we're going to cover... Do you want a cow? Why do you want a cow? Maybe you shouldn't get a cow. Maybe you should get a cow. So, should you get a cow? Should you not get a cow? Should you not get a cow? Is this... Um, you know, we love cows, but they're not right for everybody. Is this a lifestyle choice you want to make? It is a lifestyle choice. Mm -hmm. And specifically, we're talking about the family cow, which is a... Milk cow. Milk cow. A lot of this will apply to dairy cows, too. Beef cows is what he means. <laughs> yeah. Coffee hasn't hit yet. Just getting it today. Uh, a lot of this will apply to the beefers. Yes, but, but that we don't have personal experience with. So Karen's Karen's in the uh, the mod box there today, and Karen can help you with cow questions. We're gonna see Karen questions. today. Karen's gonna make a guest. Karen's appearance. everywhere today. Karen is everywhere. <laughs> At all times. <laughs> also, how to if you choose, decide to how to breed, choose your family cow. Yep, which one's right for you? Uh, what do you need? Yeah, what's your setup? What about food, medical things? What what do you need to be prepared with before you get your cow? Yeah. So now you'll notice things we're not talking about today because this will take up probably our entire hour plus questions at the end. Yes. Uh, calving or milking? What? Like yeah. that's the big thing you want to know about. Boring. But we'll do that next week. Yeah. So if your questions are about calving or milking, save them. Yeah. And it may be people in the chat now when people join later and they're like, you know, what should I use a milk machine or not? Let them know. Because hey, that's that's a huge we'll to topic, really. We couldn't fit it all in one hour. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a double double weaker, double yeah. parter. We got way too much to talk about. Shall we dive right into cows? Yes. I can't. I can't even <laughs> wait. She called me last week, the converted cowboy, and I want a new T-shirt. <laughs> we have a new T-shirt. We have a new cow T-shirt. Finally. Yes. And a new one. I forgot. I to don't get even like have a, a cow T-shirt yet. I'm still goat gremlining it. I totally forgot to get a picture queued up and ready, but maybe during our one of our things, I'll throw it on the computer. But anyway, let's dive into cows. Should you get a family milk cow? Should you keep a family cow? This was a question that we were asking ourselves years ago. You know how that ended. Spoiler yeah. alert, we decided yes, but we did not decide yes the first time we asked the question or the second time or the third. It took... A few years for us to prepare for mentally our daily life, physically, our barn, our setup for a cow. That's a great point. I feel like, you know, chickens trained us to come home every day, be home twice a day, right? Pigs, Have... pigs were a step beyond that. They were a bigger livestock we got used to handling. Yeah. So you learn about fencing, you learn about cleaning up after pigs, you yeah. learn about transporting pigs. Meanwhile, we're doing all this, you, unbeknownst to me, at night, are dreaming dreams. <laughs> sweet, uh... sweet milky dreams. <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> that was about a cow. About a cow. <laughs> 
And, okay, so this can be something that's easy to idealize, a milk cow. And, and I did it. This is, you have that vision in your head, like the, the Swiss mountainside, and you're like walking out to your herd of cows with their little bells on them. And they stand there in the field while you take your bucket and your streams of milk and the foam. So you have this image of what, what milking a cow will be like. And I did, and then you'll read a book about it, Keeping a Family Milk Cow. And that just, uh, I think, enables you even more with oh, yeah. this vision, this dream of owning a milk cow. Meanwhile, I do not have that dream. I was plenty happy with the pigs and the chickens. And I think as you were starting to come to the point where you really wanted one, I wasn't ready for it. And so we had this little growing period of, you know, you wanted one, I was afraid of such a large animal. And that's when we did a lot of field trips and we went to see cows and we hands-on things, saw milking, saw a full-size cow, saw a mini Jersey. And over time, I came around a little bit, we got offered the free cow. We've told the story a thousand times, we won't tell it too much again, but somebody offered us a free cow, a free dairy cow, and we were like, mmm, still wasn't ready. Eventually we got there. Mm-hmm. I got there, I guess. I got to where I was like, okay. So why? Why did we finally make that leap? You really wanted to, and I think, uh, like most animals on the homestead, your desire to have a new animal, to uh, get in, you love the learning experience, the new things, try new stuff, uh, and then I eventually just go, okay. <laughs> I don't know, does that sound accurate? Then why, so for me, it was this, this ideal, this wanting to have our own milk. And for a lot of people out there, it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, they want to have some, some control over that food source. For, for a lot of us, dairy is a big thing in our house. If you have kids, a family, you go through lots of milk, <laughs> half a gallon, a gallon every day. And you see, especially going through COVID, like why that would be nice to have your own source at home so you don't have to leave for it. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely, I mean, one of the reasons too. Yeah. <laughs> what are other reasons? Well, there's lots of reasons. There's lots of reasons to keep a family milk out. I, why we got into it, I think, was because you just wanted that experience. Yes, yeah. I did. And I think you got that experience... You've made it full circle. Well, you've done the whole family cow experience. Okay. I know, I'm setting I know up our you're video. going like, somewhere we have a with video this, to play. but I don't yeah, know like, where. Okay. <laughs> We're going to see our, our journey, our, our cow arc, because we finally got our cow, Ladybug, and this whole journey of keeping the family cow, where it starts, where it ends, let's watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was so smooth. <laughs> Uh, because as some of you may have guessed what our big announcement is, if you've been following the show long enough, uh, you know we have been shopping around for a cow, we've been looking at cows, we've been thinking about getting cows. So my wife finally made the decision, uh, she picked a dairy cow. We got a beautiful Jersey cow, her name is Ladybug. Four years ago, this journey began getting Ladybug, our very first cow. This is Ladybug. She's our Jersey. She's a cow that we have for milk. She's pregnant right now. She's due to calf in November. If she has a bull calf, 
will use that bull calf for meat. If she has a heifer, then we'll have another milk cow that we can either keep for our own family or sell to another homesteader. It wasn't long after Ladybug arrived that we were welcoming a little calf to the farm who we named Luna. And along with Luna came gallons and gallons of farm fresh milk. So this is her second calf she's had. Um, so we are not the ones who trained her to milk. She hasn't kicked at all. That comes from, I'm guessing, good training. Last time she freshened, and she's a really good cow. We have had a shockingly good week. <laughs> she's been great. She loves it's worked. to see how she weighs her tail. She loves to be scratched back here. He says, ooh, that feels good. I'll stay a little longer if you scratch me there. I love this cow. quarters of a gallon today with the calf just having eaten that's perfect for us and I'll be making yogurt with some of the other stuff this is how we've been separating our cream I don't know if you can tell on camera where the cream line is but it's about right here so that's a good inch of cream that we can cut off Ooh, look at that so Stop it, stop it. He won't hurt. I can still watch. He's out like already. Don't As many of you know, early on in our family cow experience, we wound up moving homesteads from Connecticut to Pennsylvania. And that allowed us the experience of moving a cow. <laughs> the uh, drive was pretty um, not eventful. <laughs> Just long. It was so long, so much traffic. We've never, we've never trailered livestock. No. Well, we've trailered like pigs to the butcher five minutes away, but yeah. we've or never goats, but never something as big as a cow. Yeah, a cow in a livestock trailer. So that was a total unknown, but it went really smooth. Unloading of the animals went so easily, and I was a little anxious about unloading Ladybug because I've never done that before in a strange place. I didn't know how she was going to react. She was great. So calm. It's literally what we always say about Ladybug. We were nervous. She was great. She was great. Yeah, she was great. Time. She was so easy. We never say this about Luna, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Luna was so accommodating. She's, I look at the two, Luna and Ladybug, Ladybug's very, just matter of fact. Hmm. She's like, call her a no-nonsense cow. Luna's a bit of a diva. Oh yeah. The difference in Ladybug and Luna is never more clear than when you compare their births. Ladybug, she just spits calves out like it's nothing. Luna, well, it was a different story. It involved a lot of pulling. Yes, live calf, baby. Oh yeah, that calf's alive still. Come on, Cappy. Oh, come on. There we go, come on. Yep. Come on. 
Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Yep. Welcome. Welcome, you little thing. Oh. Live. Oh, man, baby. Hi, little one. Our last calving on the homestead gave us two beautiful calves. Ladybug gave us honeybee, and Luna, after lots and lots of pulling, gave us grasshopper. It's amazing at the size difference already, but they're gonna be best buddies, those two calves. And Luna, Ladybug's very curious, but she's not showing any aggression or anything. Luna's doing good. I'm going to leave them out for the afternoon because it's nice and warm. We'll bring them in later this evening. She's hopping around though. Little grasshopper. Just in case. And that's know, where the circle kind of completes. Here, Luna, this calf that we saw born on our very first homestead, now has a calf of her own. And with the birth of that calf comes milking Luna our very first, our very original calf, who now is a beautiful cow having little calves of her own. With Luna, we're not gonna milk into the regular milk uh, pail. We're gonna milk into a little pot and keep catching it into our bigger pot uh, because Luna's newer to milking and she's never had this experience. She could make it all a big mess. So we'll see how it goes. And it clicks. This look back from, from you know day one, Ladybug arrived to now. There, there's two cycles that I have yeah, noticed. Two, two journeys, two story lines. There's you who always wanted your cow, and you got your cow, and you went through the whole experience. You had the first birth, you got your first milking. One cow, little group. Now you have multiple cows, and it ends with milking the cow. It's beautiful. I think there's another beautiful story arc that played out, and I noticed it watching this second time through. You watch the first few videos. I'm standing as far away <laughs> from Ladybug as I possibly can while still being in the camera. Yeah, you I were was afraid. afraid of her. You I were afraid of her. I didn't want cows. I was afraid of cows. I totally was like, I don't think we should be doing this. And it ends with you and me together doing something that we were told on, on one of our early cow field trips. Uh, one of our, uh, the, the farm we were at, the woman who was giving us the tour, she said, so I know some couples who will milk together. Mm, it's and like I was their like, date. Never, never. And there we are. And there we are together. milking together. Never say never. So two beautiful story arcs. We love cows. And uh, we think. We love cows. Yeah, totally. Like, there you it is. You love cows. I love cows. Converted cowboy. That's why that's our next shirt. Converted cowboy. <laughs> Ladybug.
Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So are you a converted cowboy? Pros to having cows. Now we can continue now we can discuss with, uh, why, why to have a cow. cow. Obviously, You've seen our journey. You get the beautiful product. You get the milk with the big fat cream layer. That was like a joke in that video. That was week one. We've seen half, you know, half of a half of a yeah, pint, like a quart of or cream. Yeah, whatever that size. Half gallon. Is. Half gallon. We've seen quarter of that be all cream. What do you make with all that amazing product? Butter. Butter's my favorite to make from it. Oh man, yogurt. What have we done? Sour cream, cheeses. cheeses, soft cheeses. And just having constant fresh raw milk. Raw milk is something we love, but don't always get when we have to buy it. No. We we like when we know and trust the source, and that's not always possible yeah. wherever you are. Yeah, so if we can't, like times when our cows are dried off, we don't always buy raw milk because we want to make sure we know and trust the source really well. So to have a source that you trust, that you know, I mean, that's worth its weight in gold. Mm -hmm. But it's more than just the food products from a cow. What else? What else is the benefits? You get calves. Calves can be meat. Calves can be something you sell. You get manure. I mean, there's value there for your own land, for other people if you want to sell some of it. One of the Things I love about the cow that, especially during COVID, was like so, I say during COVID, still stuff going on. But, you know, like during the, the shutdowns and the, the stores being closed and stuff not on the yeah, shelves. Yeah, the scarcity. Not only did we have to think about feeding our family, we had to think about feeding our animals. And the fact that our mini jerseys are fat <laughs> off of grass. The way they look, you see Luna, she's a fat cow. Grass. <laughs> They can go out into that field and eat our pasture and make milk and make meat. Make the babies. sustainability factor is off the chart. It's just awesome. So, so many pros to having a cow. But of course... Now, when you see the videos, 
we're not showing you knocked over milk buckets. <laughs> we're not showing you dealing with disease. We're not showing mm. you. You have seen it in I our mean, videos, but in that, that clip <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah. In that clip where you get all the feels, you're not seeing like the stuff that isn't fun about cows Should because I it's there. Made a cons highlight reel. Yes, like the, all the worst bad of days. cows. That would have been really smart to do. We should have done that just to like but be fair. But there are bad days, bad times, bad cows that maybe you'll be kicking yourself thinking, why did we ever do this? So what, yeah. what are reasons to maybe not get a cow? The big one for me in the very beginning was just they're a large animal and with size, even if they're not a, a um, there's a danger with size. Even if they're a gentle, like Ladybug was a very gentle animal, but you know, maybe something spooks her. Yeah, and a head toss. Yeah. We, flies can crack you in the face, break a nose. Yeah, so with cows, there is more danger. You just, that's something you have to be ready for. They eat a hmm. lot. Even if they're just on grass, there's always winter that we have to deal with, and that means hay. Yep. And some grain. Yep, and, uh, and with that comes expense, too. So not only having it, but buying it. With that also comes a lot of poop. <laughs> a lot of in, a lot of out. So, so if uh, if you have to keep your cow in a stall in a small paddock, there's going to be a lot of manure that you have to find a place for. You have such a Pennsylvania accent when you say manure. 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 <laughs> manure. Manure. Tell me in the comments section, you are you a manure it? or a manure? Connecticut, manure. we say manure. And he makes fun of the way I say crayon. Crayon. And he says a crayon. Je suis crayon. Crayon. <laughs> mm. Yeah, every year I have to clean out the manure from our paddocks <laughs> with a machine. Because there's in the wintertime, they stay right in the same spot and it just goes... It, yes, and if you have somebody in a stall um, that all ends up in the stall, you're shoveling it out, yeah. piling it up, find a place to put it. So that's a, that's a big deal. Now, people say, well, that's, that's liquid gold or that's like... Semi-liquid gold. Semi-liquid gold. I don't get gold. too much into the poop status. Solidity or... But it's gold. You can sell that. And it's true. Manure can be used and can be sold, but that's a whole other thing. So you just got to be ready for it. For most farms, you know, it's a diamond in the rough. A diamond in the rough. Manure? Manure. Diamond <laughs> in the rough. <laughs> so uh, feed to worry about, also water to worry about. This is something where... You're not going to take out just a small bucket of water every day for them. They drink a lot of water. Yep. And if you're in a place where there's a hard freeze, that's something you got to think about. Pulling hoses out every day, filling a water trough, keeping it heated so it doesn't freeze, cracking through ice can be a pain. If you are a chicken keeper, you've probably, I don't want to say everybody, but you've probably never called the vet for a chicken thing. Maybe you've asked your family vet, like, hey, something's up with my chickens, but how often do you get the, the vet out for your chickens? Probably never. Uh, you're going to need a, a cow vet because things are going to happen. Even if they don't come out to the farm, you're going to want a vet that knows you, that you can call up at weird hours and ask questions. So if you don't have that, that's not necessarily a con. It's an awesome partnership to make. But Yeah, but it is specifically a farm vet, too, because... Yeah. <clears throat> Cat and dog vets is not going to be the same. No, not going to cut it. And then, of course, the big one when keeping a family cow. When we said it's a lifestyle choice. <laughs> Milking is a lifestyle choice. If you're getting a dairy cow, that is something where at least until the calf can keep up with the milk, 
she's going to give an excess of milk for her calf. You will have to milk her or she will be uncomfortable and prone to things like mastitis. And you don't want to do that to your cow. That's not a kind thing to do. We're going to get into calf sharing and we're going to get into life Milking balance and all that. So next week. Next week. So don't forget, if you have questions about that, we'll cover that later. But yes, no matter what, you are going to be sacrificing some of your time. Your so you'll need to routine. be, that's a twice a day milking thing. So yeah. there will be a time every year where you will have to be home morning and evening to milk your cow. You've heard the pros, you've heard the cons, and you're like, you know what, the cons don't scare me. I've been through this. I've worked this over. I, I have experience with some chickens, some pigs, some goats. I'm used to the routine. I'm ready. I want a cow. What do you need? Infrastructure. Ironclad infrastructure. What needs to be ready? Oh, come on. You're the infrastructure Yeah, guy. I am. <laughs> what, what would you have to be ready? You want to set, set me up? Uh, talk about infrastructure. Okay, this is coming straight from the mouth of one of our mods here, Karen. Uh, we have, we're actually gonna see Karen later in the show. We got a clip we're gonna share. But um, uh, we were talking about you know your first cow in one of the Pioneer videos. And Karen talked about how cows, when they first arrive on a new farm, are gonna wanna go home. They're gonna wanna find their home. And so let's say you have you know a couple strands of electric twine set up and you put it in that section. Cow's going to find a hole, find a way out, and try to run home, and you're going to be out looking for a lost cow. So when you first bring that cow onto your property, have some cattle panels. Those are those big, heavy-duty metal panels that you see a tractor supply. With you know, Build a pen out of cattle panels. The cow can't get through them. We've never had a jumper, but Karen talked about some cows are known to be jumpers, so make sure it's Especially, you're bringing them home. They're away from everything they know. You're bringing them to your home. Not, it's not their home yet. Uh, they're they're afraid. They're a, a prey animal. So what do you do? It's it's fight or flight. They're going to want to flight. <laughs> so maybe literally. <laughs> uh, our cows are very respectful of hot wire. One strand will keep them in, but that's not what we keep them in. It with it first yeah. when we bring somebody home. So make sure to have some hard fencing. It doesn't mean you can't do a lot of your fencing with your cows with uh, you know high tensile or single strand, but you gotta have something real, real secure. Now in addition to- and Another reason for that I'm gonna say is because you want your cow to get used to you. Yes. So keep them yeah. in that small area. Every day you're feeding, you're watering, they're getting used to you, to your smell and your presence. Yeah, so that's a great point. Um, now, if you're getting a family milk cow, you don't necessarily need this day one, but you do want a place to milk. We saw with our goats early on, we didn't have a place to milk. No. And uh, that caused a lot of problems. So what do you think, you're the, the usually the milker in the family, how do, what's the minimum you would suggest for somebody? Minimum of what? For a milk setup. Milk setup? A stanchion? Yep. So a stanchion's the, a head gate where you can lock the cow in. And uh, I always like a side bark so they can't swing too much. Um, not everybody has that though. And I would probably say... You like roofing walls. Oh, 
Yes. Right? I mean... I thought you meant in your barn, what do you like? Yes, a roof and walls. So some kind of barn or shed or... Yeah. Because some people say, yeah, I milk her out in the field. And maybe sure. you're that kind of person. Yeah, but if you could have some sort of three-sided shelter out there where you can bring her in, tie her up there, even have a gate, put your milker up through the gate. People will use a porch uh, attached to their house, bring her under there. They can go into their basement for hot water, just milk her right there. It doesn't have to even be in your barn. It can be other locations. Yeah, but just some, some area to milk. Um, Am I getting into too much detail? No, this is good. People want to know. The I know. people want to know. And, and we will talk about milking setups more next and week. And you know, but we this do, is just like initial. We have a lot of vlogs about this, but we're in a podcast. We're able to like really dive in and like talk about more stuff. And I think there'll be a lot of value here for those people who are on, you know, on the edge thinking about doing this. All right. So, so far we got fencing and then a place to milk. So some sort, sort of stanchion and shelter for yeah. you to milk under. Yeah. Now, um, with the barn... We talked about the need for feed all winter long. You're gonna need somewhere to put up some hay. Now, some of you might live in New Zealand and you never need hay and that's awesome, but most people are gonna need at least for, for hay storage. a couple months, some kind of hay storage. And what we had at Squash Hollow, we could fit 30 bales. Is that all About that, maybe 50? Yeah, I wanted so to say month, 50. So a month and a half's worth of hay we could store. Yeah. Which is, not ideal. No, because then you have to get hay delivered in the middle of the winter and there you can be snow. You have to worry and... about even hay in the middle of winter buying it. It's not always easy to find. No. It's nicer to, in hay season, be able to put up hay yeah. in your barn or round bales, covered round bales, something. But if all you can fit is 50 bales, yeah. it works. I mean, that's good. Yeah, it got by. We got by for that. And find a hay guy. Oh, man. Who has lots treat of hay all well. year round. When he delivers hay. Give him some cookies. Buy him breakfast. You know, treat your hay guy well because... Hay's a really big deal when you want to Hay's a very a big deal. So definitely, definitely important. And they will find hay they like and they don't like. <laughs> uh, in addition to, you know, thinking about the feed and the hay, you got to think about water. That means winter water. Always plan for winter water because summer water is easy. You can run lines hoses, and hoses yeah. and things. You want to have water close to your cow. You don't want to be carrying buckets through the snow. Minimum, total minimum, wherever your winter paddock is, wherever your cows are going to be in the winter, install a frost-free hydrant. If you don't know how, we got videos on our channel. Of course, Ironclad Infrastructure would have some great how to install hydrant videos. Uh, they're not hard to put in. If I can do it, you can do it. You run a. a you have you, to run a line yeah. from wherever you have your water. You'll have to rent a, a trencher or a little mini excavator. Cross-free hydrant. Make sure you have one close by. You'll thank me later. What we have, the Barber A Waterer, incredible. That has been life-changing. So if you can do that, but that's an upgrade. It took us years to get to. Yeah, a frost-free hydrant. You turn on. It pulls water up from the ground, so it's not frozen. And then just put your water trough under that, or a short hose extension put it into your your water trough and uh, yeah you can put a heater in your water trough so it stays unfrozen yep so that's that's all a possibility if you have horses other big things you probably know how to do all this stuff watering pigs is harder during the winter so yeah cows actually, will be easier than cows watering are pigs. not the hardest animal to water pigs are absolutely the hardest winter water so you got that's one thing for us. We already had water to pigs. Cows didn't scare us because yeah. we had done the pig thing. 
those are the basics for infrastructure. Now, please, comment section. You guys are, as always, firing off good ideas. If I miss something, let us know. Share your tips. The next big thing you got to figure out if you want to have a cow, maybe even before the infrastructure, you need to make sure, uh, is your land going to work? We got asked this question. I actually asked on Instagram, you know, what do you want to know about keeping a cow? And one of the questions was asked, how much land per cow? And this is one of those questions we always answer in a way that disappoints people. In a way that disappoints people. We're always here for disappointment. We're there to disappoint. <laughs> Buy a shirt. Because, and Monique says, water doesn't freeze here. Monique in Australia... Stop is, bragging, Monique. ...is dealing with different Stop things. Stop bragging. So, I mean, she's much more, I think, arid, Monique. So maybe less growth sometimes a year when it's really dry. Austin said New Zealand. So you got tons of pasture. Put them out on a half acre, right? You'll be fine. How much area do you need for cows? It's so dependent on where you live. You'll hear a rule, um, an acre per cow per and, month. And when you Google it, that's what will come up, right? The first answer. Yep. Instead of giving you some little, you know, this is the perfect a number, formula. we're going to bring you a forage specialist. Karen, who's our, one of our regular mods, you guys see her in the chat box all the time. Uh, she is a forage specialist. She's a bovine specialist. Uh, Karen, please add the links to your websites and whatever else you want to add right now. Tell us how you're so awesome, Karen. This is your please chance. Please do. Um, we've inter interviewed Karen multiple times on the show, and uh, we have a clip that the whole video can be found in the Homesteady Pioneer Library. That's where you find our like in-depth videos. If you're really a hardcore homesteader, you get a lot out of that library. Uh, I got a little snippet of our forage specialist, Karen, explaining to actually a couple of homesteady pioneers who are look were looking to buy a property for cows. She's advising them, and now all of us, what to look for when you're shopping for uh, a property that would be good for cows or to identify if your own one is good. Karen, what would your suggestion, I got a suggestion for him, I want to hear what Karen says. Uh, what do you think, Karen, if they're going to have a mini Jersey herd, four cows and a bull plus the calves every year, that kind of be the maximum if they get into this meat selling thing more. Uh, what would you tell them to look for? You know, give them your, your suggestion on what the property to look for and then just how much land when they finally do kind of property, pull the trigger on a farm. Uh, probably a good... A good property would be one with a good, one that's very similar to what Austin has. That's that's a really good one. To, the Austin is a great example in, in the farm that's Pennsylvania that that he's got is is great. Um, Mount of land probably uh, anywhere from I'm trying to think here about 15, 20 acres would be good for about four cows. That'd that'd be that'd be good for. For a good start that way you're kind of you kind of have yourself 20 acres would be good as a uh a bit of a, a safety blanket kind of kind of thing in case you don't have enough grass you know then then you know at least at least you have enough for for a bit and you and then because it's always a good thing to chase grass it's it's always a good thing to have too much grass um that way you're not you're you're not having to um spend so much on feed but i think I think that about 15 to 20 acres is, is a good start. If you're going about 10, I think 10 is, is going to be not enough because that'll only limit you to maybe about 
two, two animals at the most, two to three animals at the most. So, uh, but like I said, Austin, like Austin is a good one where you have a good, you know, it's, it's a good, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of having a good little mix of, of both trees for, sh for shelter as well as a lot of good pasture. Because uh, that's that you kind of need that happy medium of of that like cattle still needs they'll still need that shelter. Um, they need you know if you have if you don't especially if you don't have a barn or or a, a shed that's to for right off at first you know at at the start you need that that'll probably most likely come in, in a later a little bit later date you guys might be building some but that that's kind of a good a good thing to to start with in my opinion i think that's a fantastic uh yeah i think that's a fantastic guideline there usually the those an acre per month is usually based on the amount of forage that's available for for the animal so um the more forage you have obviously the more the more uh um the more animals you can have but then again that depends on the year as well so you got to be kind of basing it on the worst case scenario so you don't want to be shooting yourself in the foot, getting yourself two cows because oh, I got a pile of grass this year because it rained so well, and then and then you find out the next year that you, <laughs> that the that the uh, it's not doing so well for you, and then you got to end up selling off a cow or or having to buy more feed because, um, and and then you know having to spend money on on feed to feed that extra that extra animal that that's uh, um, that that the pasture can't support. Karen, what's something you would suggest Matt and Ivy look for uh, in, in a, you know, a property that will tell them, Hey, this will feed cows better, or maybe warning sign. This won't feed cows very well. The biggest thing is when you get it, you got to walk out to the pasture. Don't look at it from, from the road and Oh, it looks, looks good from the road. You got to get out there, walk out there and uh, look down. So, when you look down at at, at the uh, at at the grass at at the forage stand, look for how much green material is is uh, covering covering the surface, as well as how much how much dead material litter litter material is is covering. So, on a on a on a good day, you know, on a on a summer day, you can kind of see it's a real that's a really good good sign to tell how much how much forage is actually there. When you look 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 down at, at your feet. To see to see how much how much grass in there. If so, if there's not not a whole lot of if you're not seeing a whole lot of green at your feet, that's a warning sign that that pasture needs improvement. It's going to be needing some, either either it's going to be needing if you want to spend money on fertilizer or if you want to um, intensively graze graze those animals so that they're leaving manure behind and and they're. Um, and they're they're going to be encouraging more more grass to grow because usually usually sometimes those those areas have been just overused and they're just not they're not having been given the TLC that they deserve kind of thing. So, um, but if you're looking down at the ground and you're seeing it's it's just it's a beautiful green mat, you know, like the the grass is you're you're seeing you're seeing that it's it's just covered with a lot of good solar. Uh, basically green green photosynthetic solar material solar powered material because that's what cows need to, to you know to grow and to get produce milk and meat and that you're seeing a lot of that that's that's a good pasture 
that's that's a really good a good sign that you're going to be getting a good pastor. So what would a so, what would a warning sign, Karen, to them? Uh, what would they see a pastor full of that other than you talked about bare ground, right? So that was a really awesome, just in depth look at what you need, what you want to look for in land. Uh, the figure Karen gave there, she said, you know, for like a, a four cows, you know, two cows and two calves, somewhere 15 to 20 acres should be good, but you have to get off out of your car, walk through the pasture, see the quality of the pasture and make sure that it's good. You want to be chasing grass. Uh, so if you love that, uh, that's the kind of education we have in the Pioneer Library. Uh, interviews like that in depth we just dive deep into topics if you want to see the whole interview we did with karen that's in the pioneer library there's a link below you can become a pioneer for five bucks a month and you get access to the whole library of videos like that uh, i did want to shout out it's so nice because we have mods every week who are here karen is one of our mods we're here talking about a subject and yet in the chat box you have access to people like karen uh, who have boots on the ground Knowledge. So much knowledge. When we have a question about cows or pasture, she's one of the people we go to. Uh, so take advantage of that. They're here. Uh, you know, Jack. Jack's here from the Mindful Homestead. Jack's got pigs in the in the woods. He was talking about in the chat box how he'd have to have a cow like maybe the Scottish Highland because in his area there's not as nice pasture and they're they're a little bit uh, hardier. Cindy's Thank you to here. our mod. Cindy's here. Computer Moth, our uh, mysterious mod. My sister. <laughs> so thank you all uh, to all our mods who work so hard each week to help us have a yes, and and a, and a a conversation in the chat box that's focused on what we're talking about. Yeah, which is really really great. We know so. it's happened before where it's kind of gone off topic, and they're good to bring it back. Yeah, so we really appreciate all our mods. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And, uh, yeah. I told you there was a lot to talk about. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to try to still help you now. You're at the point where you, 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 yes, I can do this. Yes, I have the infrastructure. Now I know my land's good. I want to pick a cow. Which cow do you choose? Austin and I don't agree on this. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Where to find your cow, what cow to pick, what breed to pick, what is the perfect cow? You email Kay at Homesteady and you say, I want the next calf coming in August. Done. Problem solved. And it's a bull. <laughs> Sorry. Womp, womp. Mm, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> there is no one perfect cow. There's no one perfect cow. So don't feel like, don't get stuck in what you think you want, especially. Um, be very open to what is in your area because we've had people discuss uh, their terrain. Um, we've had people discuss their weather. 
What you're going to be looking for is something ideally from your area. If you're in Florida, you don't want to buy a cow from Maine. Uh, if you are in a different area, don't buy a cow that's used to something and that's totally different than where you are. Look for farms in your area, see if they're breeding their own replacement cows, and figure out if, if they're a dairy, maybe they've got a cow who's lower in production. Now, you're not saying are we, we bought our cow for Connecticut from a farm in Virginia. Virginia. So basically the point you're getting at is try to match climate, yeah, terrain, Yeah, it was pretty management. similar, the weather that Ladybugs were going to experience in, in Connecticut to Virginia, and we had yeah. a barn to pull her in, in in case she didn't adjust well. Yeah. Breed. Breeds will be different sizes, different temperaments, different milk type, different milk production. So what are you looking for? Do you have a huge family? Do you just want a lot of milk? Try a Holstein. That's a lot of milk. Try a brown Swiss, right? Try a big cow with a lot of milk. Do you not have a big area to keep a cow? Are you afraid of the impact they're going to have on your fields, if they're too big, do not want to feed a ton of hay over the winter, try a smaller cow, try, try a jersey. It doesn't even have to be a mini jersey. That's what we have, but they're very niche and hard to find. So another thing, don't, don't fix on like this, this one thing that's going to be hard to find and maybe discourage you from getting a cow. You can interject here. I think you should get a mini jersey. <laughs> I, think, I don't think you have to. No, no, really. I, know, no I, I know. I I think mini jerseys come with their own challenges. Breeding, also milking a small cow, a cow that small will be more difficult. I think I okay. So if you're getting into a family cow for the first time, and you are a person who doesn't come from a farming background, you're not used to the routine. You're not used to the way of life that a dairy cow will bring. Like us, if you are coming new, and now you had a farm background, but not like a working farm background. Um, I think an, an animal like the mini jersey, now I'm, again, you have, there's tons of good breeds out there, but why do I think the mini jersey is a great beginner one? As the converted cowboy, as someone who was like, I don't think this is good, and then saw the change, uh, a little bit easier to manage, a little bit smaller size, um, because the less amount of production, now again, if you want more production, probably not a good fit. But for someone who's not used to processing that much milk, someone who's not used to uh, handling that much milk, someone who might want to try to calf share and get a little bit of a break in the routine, they offer a lot of unique possibility for that. Um, but that's, that's not specific to the mini jersey. No, no, no. So you could get, if there's a, a grass-fed dairy near you, um, where they're breeding their own replacements, they've got jerseys. They will be, they won't be a huge commercial production kind of jersey. They're going to be a different type. And actually, I was going to say, like Ladybug, she was not a mini. She was a mid-sized mini. Um, so, yeah, this is like in the cow world, you got your, a jersey. A jersey-sized cow is a nice-sized cow for a lot of people. Yeah, a grass-fed, lower production and jersey uh, with some experience could be the perfect fit. And again, there could be a total different breed. I just think 
in generality. There are some people who don't want to mess with the temperament of a Jersey and they love their Holsteins. Yeah. There are people who are dedicated to the Brown Swiss and maybe you're one of them, you don't even know it. So visit <laughs> the farms in your area. That's a great way to do find it. Find out yeah. what they have. If you want to have a grass fed cow out there, don't buy a Holstein that's been in a freestall their entire life, you know, being fed hay and and rations every day. And one of the good things about this approach, um, many jerseys do fetch a higher dollar. They're a rarer commodity. We know they're super popular amongst our audience because you probably found us because of our mini jersey videos. Um, and we, I love our mini jerseys. But yeah, if you could back off and say, you know what, let me start with just a jersey I can find locally that'll fit my needs. And then if I get good and I get, get experience, I can grow into a different, you know. And there are people they're saying, hey, I want a 36-inch cow, a 36-inch milk cow. You're going to be laying on the floor to milk <laughs> that cow. Yeah. Smaller's not always better if what you're looking for is a cow to provide milk for your family. So, so what you're saying is define what you want, what you want yes. from this cow and find the cow that matches right. that best. So, and then, like, really sort through what you're being told because people are um, really strongly opinionated yeah. <laughs> in this in this world and and dexters are great 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 well go see them milk a dexter right see how long is their lactation <laughs> lasting Burn. what are go their teats like dexter there are milking shorthorns and there are beef shorthorns and that's kind of the same way with dexters yeah. there are ones who the milking line has really been preserved and others who have been are essentially a beef cow whose udders aren't really something you'd like to milk and who don't have the right beef production. And this is a, again, do you need a purebred cow? Not necessarily. But go to the farms, talk to somebody, find people in your area, what they have, what they like, and, and then kind of be open to different things. There are people who love their beef dairy cross. Other people who just like their straight dairy cow, straight dairy cow, who want to have the registration to sell calves that are a bit more valuable. Yeah, uh, another question when you're looking for a lot of people will try to pick when they're selecting the animal, milk A two A two or not. Is that something that's worth considering? Yes, for your family, do you find that you've tried A two A two milk, and there's someone in your family that digests it better? Some say this is totally irrelevant and it's just raw milk that you will digest better. Personally, it's up to you. So, Ready, I think the best way to give advice here, because you and me totally disagree on yeah, this. Yeah, and I have my wish list of cows, and it's yeah. not all mini jerseys. I'd love a Guernsey someday, I'd love a Brown Swiss someday, I'd love a Highland cattle someday. I think you, what what would your your sum up advice be when you're selecting a cow breed? This is how you would select, and then I'll give how I select, because I think we're very different here in how we would. But choose. Cindy has a great. She just says define your wants and your needs. I mean that's fantastic. So what do you want? I want a cow that gives me six gallons a day. So for you, so what I'm saying is, what are you looking? If you were shopping for the next cow, I and understand. I didn't, yeah. Oh, what I, would you I'd probably for? do something totally different. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I said. It's my wish list. What would I like yeah. to do differently? I don't know. Yeah, what I would know. I look for? Um, probably something registered. 
Um, we didn't talk about that. Four or five. I did actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay. you weren't listening. Sorry. Four or five <laughs> gallons, gallons a day. Uh, grass fed. Yeah, these are my like. And A2A2 because it's sticky. It's sticky with breeding and preserving breeds and focusing on A2A2 and how small the gene pool's getting because of it. But the calves are much easier to sell and the milk as well. Yeah. I when I shop now for livestock one when of things, you shop now for livestock uh, well one of the things I like to consider me personally and this is very much just my side versus yours I always consider the like the business side the value in the sale of if we were to sell some more how can we have more value in it because that's part of what you're getting in this family cow if it's not important to you if you're not like the trying to... The resale of calves? Right. If, well, yeah. If you just want to beef, beef a calf every year, then... Then it, you don't need a registered right. animal. Then you don't care. If you don't believe A2A2 milk's better and you're not going to try to sell the calf at a high dollar value, then you don't need to worry about that stuff. But for me, I will want to resell the calf at a high value. I will want to be able to sell it, not just make beef out of all my calves. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of geared towards I want a registered animal, I want A2A2 genetics. Not because not I believe A2A2 is better personally. I'm not saying whether or not I do. What I'm and, saying is yeah. if if the market believes it's better and, and will pay more for it, I'd like to create a premium product versus a, a you know bulk product. Hmm. So this is a topic like, we, we can talk really a lot about. We were really muddy in that, but I like Cindy's fine, like so Define your wants clean. and your needs. So yeah. you need six gallons of milk a day you want a mini jersey those things aren't compatible yeah and and separating the need and the want mm -hmm. yep that's great and <laughs> put your lifestyle in there i want to milk every single day twice a day because it's my quiet time or I, yeah. I want to milk but i also want to go on vacation once in a while and and that's yeah totally okay it's totally totally okay to not want to milk every day even though you have a milk cow Oh man, so much to talk about. I knew we'd go over the I hour. Know, of course, of course. Um, when you find an animal you think that is right, uh, it, to patience is going to be key here. Because mm -hmm. once you figure out what you want, don't settle. This is the, the seed of your future herd. Be patient. I And I would recommend buy a cow that's already had a calf or two or three. Don't be afraid of a five or six year old cow. Uh, the nice thing is that's when diseases like Yoni's will show up, so you can get her tested of all these diseases and know for now she's clean. Yep. She's got experience with her calf. She, generally, you know, uh, if a grass-fed dairy, they, they're all different. Maybe she's raised a calf before, maybe not. So ask that question. You mentioned Yoni's. Um, only buy from a disease-free herd of cattle? No. <laughs> Sure, and in an ideal world, if there were such a thing as a disease-free herd of cattle... I only hang out with disease-free humans. <laughs> I better go. Uh-uh. Whoa. <laughs> we did have COVID. Yeah, all right, there you go. So there are tested herds, and they can show you the paperwork that says, hey, as of this date, none of our cows have come up positive for these diseases. You can test that specific cow for other things they haven't tested for and say, okay, this cow comes up negative for all these things. That's just, you know, people will say, hey, I've got a clean herd. We haven't brought in any cows for this many years. That's okay. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to have any diseases because deer Wild carry diseases, carry bird carry yeah. diseases that their cows could pick up. 
So, so test. Test. Just test. Yep, it's because if you're going to be drinking the raw milk, personally for our family, I like to test and make sure we don't have yonis in our milk. That's something the science is unclear on, but maybe it can contribute to diseases that humans can have. Yep. I'd rather be safe. So make sure you're buying from a place, we suggest you buy from a place that tests all their animals, not just the one you're buying who's too young for yonis Generally, to Generally they'll do, if it's a dairy, they'll do like a, a group testing um, and ask to see their yonis protocol with their calves. Are they, are they keep kept in a clean area uh, away from the adult cows? It's just stuff we learn dealing with yonis that yeah. can help you protect yourself in the future from having yonis yeah. with your cows. Um, so if a cow is coming pregnant, get a preg test done. Make sure that pregnancy is still there. Yes, and, and you should get a bred cow. That will save you a lot of just beginner issues. You don't want to have to worry about making these decisions on breeding and, and working this out. Just get yourself a bred cow who's been through it before, if you can, and then learn about each other those first couple months until she calves. It's yeah. an easy win. Yep. Now, as you get this cow, uh, you know, you bring it on your farm. Ideally, you never want to have a cow all by itself. No. So if you find a cow like we did with Ladybug that was very close to calving, and maybe the person you're buying it from says, listen, they're, they're very happy on their own. They're not going to be overly anxious. Okay, maybe you can buy just one cow. Yeah, we did with Ladybug. <clears throat> um, we, she seemed okay. But they're happier with other cows. We knew Ladybug would be calving soon. And I'm sure if we had brought her with another cow, she would have been even happier. So if you can, have two cows. Goats don't fill the hole <laughs> for cows. Um, I don't even know if camels will, so don't bother having a camel with your <laughs> don't cow. Don't get a just companion get a, camel. No, just get a cow for your cow. Yeah. Um, now, when you get them onto your property, you get them in that nice hard fenced area. We talked about that. One tip that I thought was great, Karen shared in our interview. She said, read to your cows. Let them get used to you. You get used to them. Spend some time in the, around them. She would just sit and read a book to her cows each day so they start to feel comfortable with your presence. And that will help you, too, if you're nervous, if this is a new experience. Uh, take the time. Get used to your cows because uh, you got a lot ahead of you. Buy from potential mentors was another good tip. Oh, yeah. People who are willing to spend time with you, or at least not every day. <laughs> They're busy. But you can give a call to if your cow's calving and be like, hey, help. Is this all right? And they can let you know. Yeah, we say that a lot with livestock. If you can buy from someone who is not just like, next, next. If the person you're buying from is there for you to call, there for you to talk to, that's going to be huge value to you as a new a newbie to this animal. So whether it's a cow or anything, that's great advice. Healthcare. Right. What, what are the essentials after you've done all your testing, your cow's clean, bring her home? What do you need to just be prepared to do with your cow? Well. Well, Austin. Before you bring them on, vaccines, do you check vaccines before they come? Uh, you can check and see what they've been vaccinated for. A lot of times if they're shipping, yeah, you, the, the vet there, they'll kind of iron all that stuff out. With so. Your, Shipper. Whether you're pro or, or against vaccine, whatever. Kind what vaccines out, do people consider for cows? That is going to totally depend on each person. Oh, all right. So Google it. Yeah, well, talk to your vet. Talk to your cow vet. See what other farms are doing in the area. There are some around us who've had outbreaks of this specific thing that we vaccinated for. Others that he said, don't worry about. If you're not showing, you don't have to worry about it. 
Awesome advice. Different. Mm-hmm. The world of Cal Health, uh, there's there's the vaccines, the diseases we're worried about. Then there's preventing that through proper diet, proper nutrition, and minerals is a huge part of how you do this. Yeah. What should the new cow owner have ready mineral-wise on their homestead? You'll see in tractor supply they have blocks. Cows can't really get everything they need from the block. It's not ideal from them. Uh, get loose minerals instead. If there's a dairy supply store near you or a feed mill, see if they have like a dairy cow mineral that you can put out for them in a mineral feeder. So loose minerals. Uh, sometimes people have seen on YouTube a lot those mineral bars where you have all the different minerals. And that's awesome. If you can go through the work and have the free choice, let them pick. Yeah, specifically. That can be a little overwhelming though at first, yes. I think, especially for if you're just getting into this. and. Yep. And there are nice, just free choice mineral mixes out yeah. there. Yeah, Cody Creelman said that that's a cow that we interviewed on the show and we have in the Pioneer Library. He talked about, you know what, when it comes to working with dairies, I try to keep it simple and yeah. make sure they still get what they need. So a loose dairy cow mix is a great starting point. You could always get better, but start with the loose dairy mineral mix. Yeah, uh, hoofs, their hooves need to be trimmed. Your cows, if they walk across a concrete pad, maybe they'll do it themselves. Some cows will wear their hooves evenly. Other cows, Not like Luna, Luna <laughs> just every other month, nails. she needs her feet done. Oh. And we found, and I actually found him, um, he had advertised on our county fair, one of the walls by the cow barn, where he does hoof trimming. And so I just texted him last week. He's coming on Wednesday to do Luna's feet. So before we get into AIing her, before she's pregnant, I want to get her feet done yeah. for the next two weeks. Yeah, so that's something you got to consider. So her feet are terrible. Another weird one, I remember just, what? What are you doing? You shot a magnet down the throat of one of our cows. What's the magnet for? The magnet is if they pick up in the field pieces of metal that could get into their heart, puncture them, and kill them. The magnet instead attracts the metal to the magnet. And so nails or screws or anything that's out in your field, pieces of metal, will stay on that magnet. And so yeah, uh, check when you're buying your cow to see if she has a magnet. <laughs> you don't want them repelling each other in their belly. <laughs> we talked about, uh, what about deworming? This is a big one. People coming from, oh, I had a goat. I got to do all the worming stuff with the goat. Do cows get worms? Yes. They do. But they don't necessarily... The, ours are not as susceptible to them as the goats are. We basically just keep an eye on how do they look. Their coat looks nice, healthy, shiny. They're a good weight. They're a very good weight. Um, the We did a fecal on them, oh, man, I think two years ago, and they were totally fine. So we don't we don't worm. Like with horses, You'll some people will worm every six weeks or something. We don't worm them regularly like that. Before we ever worm deworm them, we will do a fecal to see if they need it. You'll see... There's fly treatments you can do for cows. They'll, they do get flies really bad. We'll do a fly spray on them every few days this time of year. Um, garlic, garlic powder in their minerals can help because they, um, they eat that and then breathe it out and the flies don't like the garlic. And I did see them in the field and they do look like that's been helping. Of course, they dumped it all out on the ground, so I need to buy more. <laughs> And I think just a general rule of thumb, when you get your new cow, again, you're going to want to have a vet who knows you, who knows where your farm is, knows what you're doing, what your cows are. So get them there. Do a meet and greet. Say, you know what, I just got a cow and it's 
arrived, I'd like you to come meet it. Take a do a you know look over, see if there's any glaring issues I don't recognize, and give me some advice. Uh, yeah, the hoof thing, a vet could uh, probably refer you to a hoof trimmer as well. Mm. I was gonna say what they do is they put them on a table, like a tilt table. Some have a standing table. Our hoof trimmer has a tilt table. Yeah, it's super so cool. the cow walks into the chute. Um, she gets strapped down and tilted to the side, and then he takes out his grinder and grinds their hooves yeah, down. Yeah, we have a home study video. It's very fast. You can see very this easy. on the channel. Other people will do their cows themselves. If their cows are laying down in the field, they'll just take some trimmers and trim a bit of their hooves, hooves off. Tara wants to know, does the garlic flavor the milk? No. Interesting. It's not a huge amount. <laughs> like that scene in Napoleon Dynamite. This one got into an onion patch. <laughs> Before we go, we got a lot of questions, and half the fun of doing a live show is covering questions. So we're going to try to take a moment to cover some of your questions. Um, we've covered a lot today. Yeah. We knew we would go over on this one. That's why, That's it's a why we split it. Next week, you have to look forward to, we're going to cover AI and breeding because... Let's say you didn't get a bred cow or bred... Or she lost her calf. Or that can happen. Early, so absorbed it. what do you do? AI versus bull. We're going to cover that subject. Also going to talk about milking, the fun part of well, this. Well, how about we calve first? Oh, but first... <laughs> but first we calve. <laughs> but first we calve. So, all that to look forward to Calves next week. and then milking. So lots, lots to cover there too. Let's try to answer a few questions. And, Tara uh, likes your reference to Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> That's good. He's dating himself. Oh, man. Is that dating? I guess it is uh, now. Yeah, like now it is, for Napoleon, sure. Napoleon, it's definitely, yeah, you know. Yep. All right, so uh, we talked already. Brenna had some questions. Had, and you had the uh, Instagram ones, too. Yes, I'll pull those up, too. So Brenna had some questions uh, about A2A2 mini jerseys versus regular. Um, we did cover basically all our opinions on A2A2 there. Whether or not the milk itself is better, you do the research, you decide for your family. Is A2A2 a better quality milk to drink? We never really comment on health stuff here at Home Study because we feel it's very... Very individualized. Yeah, and you'll read studies and people will argue and we don't... We always say you can read a study about that proves anything. Yeah. So we're not going to comment on if A2A2 milk is better. Is it better for you? Yeah. Uh, and Dakota's family, they need it for the health of a family member. Yeah, they need so, the A2A2 milk. So it is very important to them. Yeah, so that's a choice for you to research and make. But to answer part of Brenda's question, I like an A2A2 cow because it is a, um, a niche market with a high demand, less animals in it. To meet the demand, ergo, I can... Yes, more of a niche. More and demand. more it's becoming easier and easier to find an A2A2 milk cow because of just the the prevalence of people wanting it and the bulls now everyone's getting kind of keyed into this and cindy asked about milk fever if it's something you're concerned about when choosing a breed of cow <sighs> milk fever can happen to any cow usually not a first time freshener so maybe an older cow you could be concerned about it have what you need on hand i wouldn't discount some people discount jerseys as a, a milk cow because they say they're not hardy. Uh, we've seen our, our jerseys. Somebody asked about going up and down hills. They go up and down all the hills here, the mountains. They, they stay fat on grass, very healthy. If you're thinking about you want to do grass-fed, go to the farm who does the grass-fed and ask uh, you know, about milk fever. And hopefully the farmers are honest and they'll tell you, yeah, she had milk fever the last time around. So you can either be prepared for it or know that that's not really something you want to get into. 
I'm sure there's studies out there about breeds and prevalence of milk fever. Be prepared for it because you never know. Even if you're not expecting it from the breed of cow you've chosen, it could still happen. Just be prepared. If um, we had a question, let's see here. So, Brenna asked, how do all the treatments affect the milk? Flies, worming, etc.? There will usually be noted on whatever you're giving them and your vet should be able to tell you what the withdrawal time is for doing certain things if you need to worm, if there's a withdrawal time for the milk. We know with the goats, it, it was something like that. Uh, fly treatment, we usually don't worry about it. And there's a lot of recipes out there. We did a whole video on this about more natural fly treatments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, we need a throw down. That, uh, uh, try it on your cows and see if it works. They're not as efficient. Yeah, we weren't impressed by the longevity of natural uh, fly treatment. No, they'll work. In the if moment. You, you know, I, I like to do them when you're milking because you spray your cow. The flies stay off of it during the milking. You can milk without her stamping and trying to flick yeah. flies away. Yeah, and, so you know, that. you're up there so close, it's nice not to be worrying about the other fly prevention chemicals around you. Uh, Dakota asked if there's a, a video in the Pioneer Library about the different case uh, proteins in milk. That's a great idea. I don't even know who to ask to make a video on that. So if anybody has any information on where I could even go, I'd be happy any to gurus? do an interview. Yeah, we Specialists. could definitely plan something. Um, there was, let's Maya's see what worried about milk fever with the Guernseys. So, uh, with my climate as well as what is the best pasture seed? Though that's a Karen question. And the milk fever, just be prepared for it. Have uh, the things you need on hand. I know a lot of people, uh, here's another resource, is the Family Milk Cow Pro Boards. Uh, just Google that and there's tons of posts about milk fever, new products that people have been using to help prevent milk fever. I think it's called Exelit that you could look into if you're worried with your Guernseys about that. A uh, great little tip there. I mean, we're happy to answer questions and we're happy to help where we can, um, but we have obviously limited experience. There's a world of experience on... A world of experience on the, the Family Cow Pro Boards. Really so much experience. And any topic you want to know about, should I AI in the heat? Uh, what about fly prevention? Calf sharing? They've discussed it and they're willing to talk about it more with you. It's a very friendly welcoming community of cow owners so definitely if you're getting a cow thinking about a cow go there first and just dive in little country cabin says i wanted to say homesteady is the reason we own a family milk cow and uh we bought our sweet lily three and a half years ago she was in milk then and we haven't looked back since i highly recommend it well that's nice that we you're enjoying it, it. yeah and this other guy says, home study is the reason I have a cow and I hate them. I'll never forgive them. Oh, I think that's you. <laughs> did, oh. <laughs> uh, did you message us? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so we get those messages a lot. We got uh, on Instagram actually a really nice comment. I'll bring that up to make sure we covered all those questions too. Uh, on Instagram, let's see. That's, uh, would it be Kelly Ingram? Mm -hmm. That's probably it. Yep, Kelly Ingram. She said, um, I know, I learned so much of what I know from y'all, and we love having a dairy cow. So uh, ready to, for her to have a baby so we can have fresh milk again. So we love getting those messages when people say, like, you know, I, I learned about 
I learned about cows from you guys. I learned about family milk cows, and you inspired me to get your own, my own one. Just such Aaron, a such Brenna, a thank thing. you for the super chat. And Aaron and Alicia asked, do you have any safety cow handling advice? And oh, that's man. a great question. And I know Karen talked about that. She did that. a whole episode. So on YouTube, there's a YouTube version. If you do like safety first cow i'm gonna you talk i'm gonna google oh good right now always be aware of them make sure your body language and watch their body language too so learn about cow body language figure out what uh is an aggressive kind of body language for a cow and watch out for that and if you see that reprimand them cows will respond well to being reprimanded your first cow basics safety and where to start starring our one of our Luna favorite face. mods, Karen. Um, yeah, check that one out. That's a public version on YouTube. Uh, there's an extended version of that in the Pioneer Library, but y'all can see the big important safety stuff is in the public version. Definitely watch that because that's a whole hour long Yeah, topic. they're fascinating. Very different than horses. What about having a cow in hot climates like Florida? That was a question we got in, um, on Instagram. It's totally doable. People have milk cows in Texas and Florida, California, all the hot states. <laughs> Just the, like we said before, don't bring a cow down in the middle of winter from Maine and throw her into Florida and expect her to adjust well to it because she won't. What about, um, are we going to talk about lifestyle with milking in the next show? Yeah. Because we got a lot of people ask, like, can I have a milk cow in a life? Right. Can yeah, I go Yeah, we'll talk away? about can that next week. Even about, like, getting your hands used to it. How long does it take? Oh, that's a good one. We had a question today about that. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that covers most of the questions. I know there's a ton of questions. If we didn't cover a question you think applies today... Email us. Yeah. Comment on this video with at, uh, Ask Homesteady. Uh, next week, we'll try to cover as many of the questions as we can, too, um, without this episode becoming a two-hour episode. <laughs> um, obviously, we love cows. We love talking about cows. And, yeah, they, I think cows have changed us as, like, homesteaders and people, like, more than any other animal on our homestead. You're a better person now because you like cows. That's, that's true. That's a t-shirt. That's true. And speaking Cows of make you a better person. If you click the link in the description of this video, you'll find our Parsons uh, Parsons Homestead does all our, our t-shirts. And there's a brand new, beautiful, it's got Ladybug's face. Beautiful shirt with Ladybug's face on it. You can check it out on Instagram. I, I should have had a thing that I could <laughs> pop up and show everybody. Guys, Karen's giving out her email address. So write Whoa. it down. Karen at, this is fantastic. No, that's not. It's a fantastic <laughs> email. Ready? Karen, K-A-R-I-N at praisetheruminant.com. Praise the ruminant. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's got a great blog and... Hopefully we'll be seeing some videos, more video work from Karen in the future. Jack wants to know, can you even have a farm in a life? No. Give up the dream, Jack. No, it doesn't happen, Jack. <laughs> no life. <laughs> this is your life now. So thank you all for joining us for part one of what will be an eight-part series on <laughs> cows. We'll see you all next week. We should be back to Saturday next week. We should be. Oh, well, join the email list yeah. so you know when our shows are. We changed we do, it up this Yeah, week. with doctor's appointments and family visiting, and it, it will shift a little bit yeah. through the summer. So join the email list, and we can't wait to dive in next week to talk milking, calving, the best, the most exciting part of this whole thing. Now I have to go see if Luna had a bleed off or not. Yay! How is that for a cliffhanger? Yeah, what does that even mean, right? 
You'll find out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are shutting this down. They're, They're done. done. <laughs>